You're listening to Very Loose Women. So I'm here with Leah Shelton, and we're going to be talking about her show Bitch on Heat, which is at the Soho Theatre from Thursday 5th until Saturday 14th of December. We always start these episodes with a celebration and a frustration. Yesterday I had two meetings, and they were two projects that I'm really excited about. I have something that's kind of a celebration and a frustration. So this last week I've been doing creative development on a new project as well. Um, We've been looking at the trope of, of hysterical, the hysterical woman. And I realized that Freud is a dick. And so I'm kind of celebrating that because it's really juicy (laughs) and also frustrated that the kind of the godfather of psychoanalysis uh, based some of his uh, findings on the fact, you know, on basically deciding that women's stories were fantasies rather than actually true. So first of all, what is your work about? Bitch on Heat, the um, the tagline, one of the taglines we've got is sexual politics in the age of all you can eat. And so it's kind of, I guess it's an exploration of the politics of consent and what that, uh, in response to some of the current conversations around that. So yeah, very much looking at all of the, all of the mixed messaging that we just absorb subconsciously without even knowing. And I've kind of mashed that all up and... You put some latex on top of it and, and it, yeah, vomited it back out. <laughs> so you trained in dance and now you're doing this show, Bitch on Heat. What's the sort of relevance of dance in your work? I would say definitely physical, physically trained and physical performance is a massive part of my background. So, yeah, I, I studied dance at university a little while ago now. And then um, from that, I also discovered this incredible form of physical theater training called the Suzuki Actor Training Method. It's a Japanese form of training. And there was a company in Brisbane, which was all was quite cult-like. So there was a theater cult element to it, but it was an amazing training, the directors of that company frank theater were incredible mentors to me and so i guess it was kind of a mash of um the dance and this intense form of physical theater which was very much about stillness and um uh really engaging the body with a very uh, a high level of energy so even if you're still you're incredibly energized that was a strong influence in my throughout my work so yes very much about physicality and then I found the circus and drag scene and so it's kind of mashing that physicality with the the glamour and the um the heightened uh surreal kind of qualities that you see I think in a lot of drag work and and there's a whole lot of lip sync in the work too so yeah I I only speak four words in the whole show. The rest is lip sync. I was actually going to ask about the sort of drag element. How did you come across that? Why did you decide to bring it into your work? I've always loved the theatricality of that form. And I think uh, since my early days, so actually um, the the first company I was in was a collaboration between um, a, a Myself, Fez Fahanana, who's the director of a company called Briefs Factory that has um, all-male burlesque, very camp, very drag, and Lisa Farluffy, who's the director of, of a show called Hot Brown Honey, which I think has toured and been quite successful here in the UK. And so especially Lisa and I, we still work together and we really love the magic of costume reveals and the theatricality and that heightened level of um that you get with you know I guess it's influenced by drag it's also influenced by high fashion couture and film aesthetics from film noir and all of those things so yeah 
the magic of it. <laughs> and I noticed that there was some links with Ducky. With yeah. So the Royal Vauxhall Tavern is a queer venue um, in Vauxhall, obviously. Um, my band has actually played there once, or bar whatever. But they, they have a lot of drag and Ducky is like one of their regular nights, I think. Mm. Um, so what's how, how did that happen? How did that sort of... I haven't gigged at Ducky, okay. but um, Ursula Martinez, the director, has a really strong connection with Ducky. And also, I mean, I guess in that same world is the glory. So I've got a great, um, you know, I guess traveling back and forth. I met Johnny Wu a few years ago and he's been an amazing supporter of the work. So I've done a few spots at the glory and his big unroyal variety show at Hackney Empire I've done as well. So, yeah, I feel like that that scene is totally where my work fits it's that meets experimental feminist performance art I guess so you you introduced bitch on heat a moment ago I think you covered this a little bit but what what do you think people can expect from it people going into it when I read about it and then looked at the visuals it was not at all what I was expecting they're very um I don't want to ruin it for anyone but they're very stark like it's uh, impressive visuals um so what what do you think people should go into the room thinking about it? Oh my god. Um I think it's like it's it's about taking the myths and the stories that we have in our culture and then I guess kind of like unpacking them and fucking them up a bit. So the show opens very um it's like this austere Greek kind of inspired set. So white chiffon draping, there's column Greek columns, um it's beautifully lit. And, and then we start with the story of Pandora, of course, the origin story, this who who was told not to open the box. We all know the story. She opened, but she was given the gift of curiosity. So, of course, she's going to fucking open it. And then she's responsible for all of the horrors that befall mankind forevermore. So we were like, okay, that's a, that myth is really, that's something we all sort of carry in us in our background so yes so we tell the story of that it's narrated kind of disney-esque but then me as pandora i'm also this latex clad sex sex doll blow up doll i'm dressed in um you know with the rubber lips and the the mask and the full body height super barbie massive boobs (laughs) and i think the whole show kind of has that same feeling of presenting something presenting a myth and then almost like either over-exaggerating it or parodying it or just presenting it to and in presenting it sort of showing another side to it. So romance novels, uh, romance advice, um, kind of instructional, instructional records, porn, men talking about women, that kind of men's rights, activism. activism, Yeah. All of, all of those elements are, are woven through. So by the end you, you feel like you've kind of, just received these layers of messaging and then it's like well what are we left with where are we now like how can we how can we go forward from here can you explain the title so yeah we have had a few conversations about the title because you know you make the title and you do the photo shoot before you make the show um but I think what we liked one of my first areas of exploration I was really interested in this idea of the the vilification of powerful women so it was around the time of the US election and I was watching Hillary Clinton be vilified and in Australia we have the same treatment of a lot of our female politicians or women in power women who were vocal especially on social media and so like the idea of the bitch like using that idea of bitch and then um and then we started to really think about the sexualization of women and how that's so imbued in in 
how we, who we are from, I guess, the age of probably 10, if not earlier, you're sexualized. So that idea of the bitch, a bitch being something that's a real, a negative thing. It's intrinsically female bitch on heat. She's, she's horny. She's sexual. Um, but like trying to take that and go, well, actually fuck that. I'm angry. And what's wrong with being a bitch? Earlier on, you mentioned Ursula Martinez. Can you tell me a bit more about her? Because that, that seems like quite a strong collaboration. Uh, Ursula, probably some of your local listeners will know of Ursula. She's an incredible uh, performance artist based here in London. And she has an, yeah, an incredible kind of body of work as a performer. And then also she's incredible director. So she's directed work by Lucy McCormick, uh, a whole lot of other artists mostly in feminist kind of area she's also known for performing this iconic red handkerchief strip tease so no you don't know um so it went it went viral on youtube quite a few years ago so you know if you just want to google red hanky you'll see it it basically it's a magic act so she makes it she comes out dressed as a business suit makes a red handkerchief disappear oh where is it oh it's in my pocket takes off the jacket then oh where is it oh it's in my skirt pocket takes off the skirt eventually naked handkerchief disappears where is it well comes out of the vagina (laughs) that's quite iconic and that's been um done the circuit of show big cabaret shows like la clique and la soiree so ursula um approached me to learn that act so she's it's it's become so kind of iconic that there's lots of demand for it so i ended up learning the act and i performed that for a year in las vegas in a variety show which is crazy and ridiculous and really fun Um, And then, yeah, we kind of built a relationship from that starting point. And uh, in making this work, I wanted to, it's my second solo work, and I wanted to really up the ante and push myself. And I just thought Earth was the perfect kind of match. And it's always a risk when you, it's like a new relationship or something. But um, yeah, the creative process was really great. Like she's so generous and she's fierce fierce feminist artist and she's really provocative in her questions but I also found that she's so supportive to me found me building my aesthetic and my world and following that so I found that really great that it wasn't like uh, oh we're going to make a show that's in very much in the style of Ursula's show because she's very autobiographical in her work and very almost confessional or exploring elements of her life and that's very different I'm quite my my approach is very much like taking iconic images and stereotypes and heightening them and kind of them fucking with them so it was really great that she then came and went right let's what what would Leah do in this situation yeah so yeah incredible incredible you spent a year in Vegas has that either had bearing on the show or on you like that's quite an incredible and I don't know. I just watched, um, I say just like when it came out, I watched Glow, which mm. is set in Vegas for the, I think yeah. the third season. It's probably changed since the mid eighties, but um, it's quite a dramatic, drastic environment as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's so, it, everything is fake. It's built on the desert. Everything's bought in. The water's piped in. Everything is artificial. But weirdly enough, as an artist there, I had what I thought was amazing because I did think it would be this quite wild, trashy life. It was a little bit, but actually also what's incredible is there is a community of artists there and there's great food, great yoga, all of these incredible things. So I actually feel like I had quite a quite a solid, wholesome time in a way. But um, 
it being there really actually influenced in a way the development of my first work which is called Terra Australis and um, it was I, I started to think about Terra Australis is very much looking at I guess the the trope of horror in the outback but using that as a metaphor for our fear Australia's fear of the other and it's quite similar I think to being here in the UK anything that's foreign we 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 don't want to let in and also our culture is so kind of there's this real male machismo kind of blokey drinking culture again I think there's some parallels to the UK um so yeah being in Vegas made me think about landscape which is like slightly opposite to maybe what you would think but it's amazing the desert the hills it's it's really actually quite beautiful and there's a lot of space and I started to think about that in context to Australia, we've got this massive space in this landscape that's been colonised and there's this history of brutality on the land and there's this real sort of, we have this really conflicted relationship with the land because it's this sense of otherness um, that we're afraid of. So we define our own space and we colonise our space. Um, yes, so that's so that definitely fed into that. And I think in this new work, I think it's the sense of, the sense of decadence really feeds into this work and that idea, one of my images was to, to set the work in like as if it was a high-rise apartment building and you look out and you see the, you, you know, it's video projection and you see the, the landscape of high-rise buildings or the Hollywood sign, um, that kind of world. So I think that really lush kind of, yeah, 80s lush vibe with marble columns and lush pink lacy bedspreads is definitely has fed into this work aesthetically you perform bitch on heat in australia how do you think the reception might differ here um from what you know from the audiences from having performed here i'm interested to see i think um what was amazing about presenting it in australia so it's toured quite a lot which has been incredible i've done perth and adelaide fringes and then i've done the major festivals in darwin and Brisbane and a season in Melbourne and people are really quite actually kind of profoundly moved by the end I think they have this wild experience and then they kind they feel actually very like oh this is these are conversations we need to have um I think I hope that uh, it will be a similar response and I my understanding of the type of audiences that come to Soho Theatre especially is that they're really up for engaging with with work that is a bit potentially experimental but also accessible and funny which is what I guess I'm right I'm I am writing those lines between those two things what I'm interested in is so I have it I have different conversations based on the audience's gender so I have really interesting conversations and I'm keen to gather more conversations with the over 50s male demographic because it's yeah, I've had a few moments where I've, they've come out and and, um, and gone, oh, yeah, really interesting show. Um, oh, great body, by the way. Or, you know, they've seen this 45 minutes of show about maybe to give some insight into what it feels to be in a female body and objectify it and also have these conflicting messages about how you should engage in bed or whatever. And then um, I find that quite interesting. And then other men who are like, oh, shh. Did that, gee, you know, what, what, what's going on? Did you have a really 
traumatic experience and sexual experience because I'm talking about well some of one of the scenes is how do you say no and it's this dating romance advice and uh, well you know if you're in bed with a man you should just enjoy it even if you didn't want to be there and um things like that and um those conversations with men where it's like no this is this is just a kind of mashup of experiences of what it's like to be a woman you have to constantly negotiate those those advances so um I'm interested to compare that mm. the, the idea that they might be a little more receptive to what your initial message might be it sounds yeah. like for those people who said those they're sort of missing the point I think that's safe yeah. to say um my next um sort of chunk of questions I wanted to ask you about was more the themes around it so you you've made the show about consent objectification and from what you're saying the women's like a women's experience well by the sounds of it a straight women's experience are there I mean within reason and what you're comfortable with saying are there specific episodes or moments or is it really an accumulation like the basically asking what that 50 year old man um but is it is it like a fragmented um experience like um putting together and shaping saying how much of your life is in it and how much of everyone's life is in it Mm. i think is what i'm asking yeah i think i'm drawing i think it's a it's sort of i think what i'm drawing from is the messaging that i think i have received and maybe a lot of other men and women and of of in, I guess, of a similar cultural background and upbringing. So there's, um, for example, the romance advice feels like the messaging that my mother would have gotten received that would have been passed down to me. And I think while it's looking, um, the the framework is is hetero because I feel like that is the messaging we are we are drilled with. I think um, f- for me, well, one of the one of the kind of feedbacks or a, a um, non-binary artist who came and saw the work and who was so taken by it and really drawn in and I think it does speak to people regardless of your sexual persuasion is that 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 sense of like it's about the patriarchy and the overbearing messaging that we all have about these roles that we should conform to and she said it so well she's like you just let you just present the patriarchy and let them let that speak for itself and she's she wrote this great thing she said for every um for every female or non-binary person who's had the door held open by the patriarchy only for them to slap the ass as they walk through, um, this this work speaks to that experience. When I was when I was starting the show in 2006, I was 17, 18, and I was I got really into like yeah yeah music, which is music from the 60s, and I only realised um, sort of quite a while later I'd had sort of my first relationship, and I was sort of reflecting on how I was uh, that was with a man and how I was sort of how our interactions were and how um my image of our relationship was reflected in those 60s songs which are so negative for how women should be the sort of early Marianne faithful there's all this like French yeah yeah where it's oh it's sort of the message is I'm just cutesy and I have my own fierce resilience but I'm not going to share it like that yeah. Um, I can Tina as well. Obviously, she's very. She gets very strong later on. But there's the early I can Tina, which I listen to all the time without knowing the sort of backdrop of that relationship. Um, and it it's um it's about saying no to men. It's perhaps it was because it was pervasive in culture. But I think me being really into sixties music had a really negative <laughs> negative impact on my relationships and how I viewed them. 
you you played clips you play clips throughout the show as well and you mentioned the one about saying no what what other where are those clips from and and how did you choose them yeah so um the sound designer i work with is incredible he has this massive library of references um from yeah all sorts of places um so we've worked together on on we've worked together for a really long time we actually met at university and kind of have been collaborating so that's an incredible relationship and it's and the soundtrack is is really a detailed part of it so the level of research that went into that um yes the the I'll talk a little bit more about the 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 dating romance record because it's fun story um so the this woman Helen Gurley Brown was the editor of Cosmopolitan magazine in the 70s um so quite iconic and actually quite feminist in some ways in that she was like women can enjoy sex and you don't have to you can enjoy sex outside of marriage and she recorded these um this record called lessons in love side a is how to love a man side b is how to love a woman it's all advice um by Helen um given so given to men and women and but some of her advice is like you know ladies if you want to if you want to have an affair that's good but don't have it with your boss and you know if you if you're if you're like a man listen like your snake charmed imagine like um you know this you're you're sort of always this object if you need how do you say no it's easy to say yes but how do you say no and she gives this really convoluted kind of reasons will you ring him up and tell him maybe you're seeing someone else and you can't really it's like can't you just say no and and how how to talk to a man in bed which is which is appears in the show as well which is very much like if you're in bed with a man some part of you must have wanted to be there so you might as well enjoy it. That's one example. And that when we found that record, it became a really kind of strong element to the show because in a way I quite also like that it's a, it's, it's a woman who's very much kind of this mixed layers of voices of the patriarchy. And it's a really lovely example of how we are kind of how that is embedded in, in us. And I also, yeah, I, I play a whole bunch of different characters, so I kind of morph in and out. And there's this um, also quite terrifying but really fun character. We call him Frank, um, and he does this great monologue um, called about women. Women are food. So he talks about how just women, they exist to inspire us, you know, luscious lips, beautiful, and it's disgusting, but actually really he's really fun to play because he's so just all of he's that guy that we know yeah it really was fun to trawl through all of this material and just pull pull the things that that spoke to us a lot of what you're saying is is sort of from the 70s um uh, perhaps a little from the 80s is there anything I mean obviously we face a lot of the issues today does it also or is some of the media that you play from today is is that something that you're sort of riffing on Mm. yeah we looked a bit at the um like the incel kind of it's men's rights as those you, I don't know if you've ever gone into the YouTube wormhole of those guys who show you how to get how to get a date and how to win a woman over I've got the formula you know all you have to do and they talk about how it's easy and you just need to get into a woman's psychology and be the man and be the alpha male and it's disturbing and disgusting so yes there's a there's a scene that um it very much takes from that like it's I don't know if you've seen Magnolia. Tom Cruise plays this that kind of character, and he's like, "Respect the cock," and he just talks about, 
excuse my terrible American accent, by the way. But um, yeah, it's just like this. It's so heightened and so extreme that that sort of language, but it exists. It's, it's out there. You, it, you don't have to look hard to, to find it. And they're, you know, they're successful. They have hundreds and hundreds of men coming to their seminars. And it's kind of, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's also sad, isn't it, that there's this weird like rules that now are coming out about how do you, how do you engage with a woman because they just don't know how, I guess. Yeah. My, my dad gave me the French translation of Neil Strauss's The Game book so that I was aware of what men were up to. And he, he said, you should read this. So I read all of it before going to uni. I don't think I, I, don't, I, don't think I looked at it very critically. It was more like, hmm, tips, which is just terrible. I, I remember at 17, I can quite easily say that I was a misogynist. Like the internalized misogyny was so heavy and I wasn't dating at the time. I wasn't dating till I was 22. So it didn't have any sort of, heavy impact on sort of any actual physical interaction but just what was going on in my mind is just and I I see that on um my partner and I love reading these so there are screenshots of reddit threads on twitter from am I the asshole and reddit relationships um though it's it's we were doing it this morning one of them is I saw the other day it was this man who said his girlfriend broke up with her with him because he bought he called it a shawl, but it's essentially a poncho and it was too feminine for her. And he, she wasn't comfortable with him sort of it, like wearing, oh. wearing this. And she wants to go like, this is him reporting it. Yeah. So I don't know how true it is. And also it's a Reddit thread, so it could be completely made up, but it's made me think a little bit more about my sisters who are in straight relationships and their expectations of gender of the other person. And also I guess my expectations when I was in a straight relationship, which I definitely had mm. and like shaming if there were like feminine expressions of identity which I think the queer scene is really good at addressing Mm -hmm. the spectrum I guess of gender identity Mm -hmm. what's your approach to gender either in the show or in general Mm -hmm. how does that feed in that's like what you said that's what I love about the queer community is that sense of we've we have so much there's so much messaging that we have inside our brains that we kind of don't even know about so I I just I just love the approach of of it not having to fit conform to a definition and I think the more and more fluid those definitions become um the better and and I'm quite interested in I guess I play hyper femme in a lot of my work it's like heightening that it's not I mean yeah I guess you could call it um bio not quite bio queen, but I'm definitely influenced by the though that kind of um, which is basically women who perf- uh, female identifying people who perform as drag who dress in drag, um, uh, which is a growing kind of area too. So I think what I'm super interested in is playing gender, overplaying it, over exaggerating, and then and really fucking with it. So that's my yeah. That's my take on it. And I can never understand why people are so personally affronted by other people wanting to identify in a certain way. Like I I actually just can't understand it. I'm like, it, it doesn't affect you as a person in any way. It doesn't affect your life. Really, you can continue living your life. That person can identify as he, they, whatever they want. They can dress how they want. I, I've, I still can't 
get my head around it. And there's so much anger and violence connected to that. And I, I, yeah, so I I would love, I guess I'm in challenging that maybe it's, you know, trying to fight the fight that maybe one day this won't be a thing that we have to discuss. Thanks so much for joining us on Very Loose Women. I say us, I mean me. Bitch on Heat is playing at the Soho Theatre from Thursday 5th until Saturday 14th of December. Uh, You can find out more and buy tickets at SohoTheatre.com. You can find out more from Very Loose Women at VLW Radio on Twitter and on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, Very Loose Women. Thanks for listening.